the 50. Yeah. Even that's fairly... It's at the end when you're doing counting. You just want to feel like a tough guy, so you just change them into 50s. Feels so good. Like, yeah, well, the metal coins always feel good. Yeah. Um, I forgot to say, I'm Jack. And I'm Joel. And this is a very special episode of Android Dungeon because it is the episode right before Christmas. That's about it. <laughs> so <laughs> this is the show. This is considered this the Christmas episode of Android's Dungeon because it will be Christmas in... Uh, I don't know, four days yeah. when you're listening to this. Next year, look forward, or next week, look forward to a rerun. No, no Joel, I will. I guarantee there will be original programming. Wow, up to up to the high quality that uh, you've expected. He's coming in on Christmas Day. Yeah, it's it's, it's like uh, CFRU is kind of like um, Christmas Carol, in which everyone who works here is like Scrooge, as in the managers. They're all mean, terrible people, and you're, there's no fun whatsoever. And you want to go home, and, and it's it's cold in here too. They don't trap the heat because that costs extra money. That extra piece of coal <laughs> it adds up. So that's why I'm going to be in here. I'm going to take a time off from working the salt mines to come and record a show. <laughs> he actually tried. He asked for the time off. He said, "Please, sir. please, please, Christopher, <laughs> I need some time off." <laughs> no, <laughs> on to the 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 entertainment factory. <laughs> Back in the vinyl of the mines. Is <laughs> <laughs> implying this entertains anyone though, except for me. Even that's questionable at times too. But. Um, in case you haven't noticed, can you tell that I just had my teeth cleaned? By the way, and can you your hear- teeth sound super clean? I was right going to say they don't squeak, and and the people aren't dying when I open my mouth as much okay. anymore. Just for different reasons, they die. But yeah. <laughs> how was the dentist? I, I go to. A, I'm going to take a moment to shill my dental hygienist. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to Kim at Progressive Dental, Progressive Dental Guelph. Uh, over on Speedville, I think is the uh, down by Freshco. Let's just say that is that Speedville? Yep. Yeah. Uh, she is the nicest woman ever. She does the most thorough job ever. She's thorough, good and thorough, and outstanding. You can't do better than this because when you go to the dentist, who dentists generally speaking are not fun places. They, they, it's a no. business. It's a factory. They want you in and out. Boom, 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 boom. You go to Kim. She's a dental hygienist, and she does the cleaning because she would work. She used to work for dentists, I believe, and she does her own business. And she gives you the time you deserve. Oh. It takes your t- she goes through and she's very particular and she's, she's scraping through and she's going and picking off all that crud that accumulates on your teeth and is so nice and lovely. And just I highly recommend giving her a shot if you're looking for – and less expensive because she's a dental hygienist. You're not going to the dentist. You're not paying for the, the 20 stupid big screens they've decided to hook up all over the place and this, this factory line <laughs> of people cleaning teeth. It's just her. It's shout just, out to Kim. Shout out to Kim. What's the place called? Progressive Dental. Progressive. Progressive Dental. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a very progressive place, I guess, if that's what you're... It's prog rock dental. Pro- <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just King Crimson playing while you're, you're brushing your teeth. Brushing your teeth, whatever. You know do what they, I'm saying. Do your feet, teeth just feel like lighter, like there's less they tooth do. there? They do. It's because if you think about and it... it's true, yeah. If, if you were to weigh, I guess, your teeth and then... And then weigh them again after they've done the cleaning. All the crud that comes off, I'm sure, adds up. Especially, yeah. apparently I clench my jaw a lot because I'm so angry all the time. And <laughs> it's it, mostly from this show. It's mostly from the, sh- the stress related to the show and putting on high quality entertainment every week. Every week. Every week. <laughs> um, it, that apparently when you, when you compress your teeth so much... It, it makes it compounds the issue of your your plaque buildup because I guess it basically pushes everything that's in your mouth down a bit, and then when it comes back up, the stuff fills in the space, I suppose, and mm. then it just like sort of feeding in on each other and just gets worse and worse. But this is a little dental tip: Ooh. don't clench your jaw so much. And I chew my cheeks and tongue, so I shouldn't do that either. 
but it's tasty. Does Kim lecture you? She doesn't lecture. She gently admonishes for my inability to stop cannibalizing myself. So, Do you like it? Uh, cannibalizing <laughs> myself or being admonished by my, my by dental Kim. hygienist. <laughs> I, I don't take well to people telling me that I shouldn't chew on myself. So whatever. It's, it's a nice tip, though. Pro tip. Joel, what have you been playing recently? <laughs> um, last night I actually tried to... I, I took a look at my 10 by 10 and I realized that I was in a dire situation. I have written off. <laughs> yeah. And I needed two more games of Captain Sonar, but I have Sonar and I thought, mm, good enough. Yeah, so I absolutely. got it out and it can be played 1v1. And so I got it out and Josh came over mm-hmm. and he didn't want to play it. Fair enough. It's kind of like... It, yeah. It takes a special mood, I think, for some sonaring, but whatever. So then, as a joke, I started playing it against myself. Oh, jeez, here we go. <laughs> but, uh, for those of you that don't know Captain Sonar, that's a bit like playing poker against yourself. <laughs> <laughs> He's bluffing, I know. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe, um, guess who? <laughs> Is it the guy with the beard? How did you know? <laughs> I thought it was going to be closer to, like, that, um... Famous Pixar short with the old man playing chess against himself, except one <laughs> ego is way better at it than the other. That's a good short. Yeah. Apparently, the Olaf short has fallen short. Is what from what movie? The new Disney Coco? whatever Coco. Yeah. I actually wouldn't mind seeing that. I, re- I love the Mexican Day of the Dead aesthetic. And uh, yeah, looks good. The movie, very good reviews. Yeah. The short at the beginning with Olaf's Olaf's Christmas special. People yeah. don't like it. I don't know. You you like Frozen, Joel? Isn't that isn't this sure. a secret, shameful secret of Android's Dungeon? Joel is that too much of a fan of Frozen? I like the songs. He dyed his hair for Halloween yellow, and <laughs> <laughs> it was still same length. Didn't <laughs> wore a slinky blue dress. It was weird. Actually, our hair isn't yellow; it's white. Yes, but whatever. Close enough. <laughs> Close enough. Platinum blonde. I don't know. What you Where were describe. we? Oh, I was. What am I playing? Yeah. So I didn't actually play Sonar, which is sort of the Amazon exclusive exclusive yeah. mini Captain Sonar yeah. for anybody that's wondering. Um, I'd probably pass on it. It's Captain Sonar, but w- without the ability to play real time, which is the, probably the best part. Could you force it to play real time? Is there any way you could just mod it and say, okay, we're playing real time, or is it not balanced around that? I suppose you could try it, and it would just be kind of the same as Captain Sonar. But yeah. um, There's no mines. There's only one type of sonar. And just and when you. And when you surface, you say exactly where you are. Okay. Interesting. And a torpedo does one damage. It has to be direct hit. Oh. And first to two damage it's loses. It's a smaller map, too, isn't it? Much smaller. Four okay. quadrants. Okay. So is it kind of like whoever strikes first is usually going to win in this one? Or is it... Um, like how many times have you played it? Can't tell. You haven't played yet. <laughs> <laughs> Don't play this game that I haven't played. But I got it out and looked at the rules. <laughs> well, it's like playing it, you know? It's, yeah. It's, but get Captain Sonar because it's one of the coolest and best party games out there. It's the most, I think, without a doubt, it is the most unique party game you'll play. And I hesitate to even call it a party game because it's it's not, it, it, it will kill parties. It's basically <laughs> just a party game because there's eight players. Yeah, yeah, it's like, player. although Scythe goes up to seven, is that a party game? <laughs> no. No, not at all. If you, if you don't like parties, that's... Uh... Speaking of Scythe, though, and I know we always do... No, we don't. <laughs> it's, it's the other game I've been playing lately. Yeah. Uh, our good friend Chris has moved into town and was had basically he played the game with us once, and he fell in love with it, and he started playing solo all the time. He yeah. bought it for himself along with Concordia, mm-hmm. and he's just been playing and playing. Did he buy and them simultaneously? Yeah. Wow. Playing and playing and playing against the bot. Mm-hmm. And he thought, okay, I'm good now. I've been playing the bot. I can beat it consistently. Yeah. But the bot doesn't behave. 
like me and you, Jack. Well, you can. It, it's not. Uh, it, it's trying, but we're not at the singularity yet. <laughs> <laughs> and by bot, people should understand. There's not an actual computer here. It's there's a card that, like, you flip cards every turn, and it will. I, I'm not even ex- ex- totally sure. They do spend money developing the system by this like autonom- a, a automata factory automata, or whatever. Automata, yeah. And uh, but it's like it, you go down a list and you perform actions based on what this is. It's similar to Gloomhaven's, I guess. Like very, it's very rudimentary AI in the sense that you will always you make the you make it do this, and if there's a player over here doing something else, it'll do this mm-hmm. in a certain situation. Anyway, sorry. I think the problem with playing automata and then trying to play people is that automatas generally are super aggro. Yeah, uh, they'll come to the middle. They'll take over the factory area, yeah. and then they'll push, try to push you out of whatever, wherever you are. Mm-hmm. And people don't really do that in real life. People are much more production based. Obviously, being aggro is a strategy and has worked for some people in the past. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think for the most part, when he's tried to translate what he learned, because we've played two games now, into beating people, he's found that he's been successful militarily but then his points fall behind is it a matter of that the computer is overly aggressive because it when you're playing like you've, you've mentioned it before that when you're playing with people at low especially at lower player counts there's very little i think interaction what that's one of the problems with scythe i think if you want to really go at the game mm-hmm. is that it turns into multiplayer solitaire on certain levels because everyone's just looking at their own board and unless I think you play the game enough to be on a level where you're actively anticipating what other people are doing and you're going to block them and really try to disrupt their plans directly as in like, oh, okay, I know they're gearing up for this. They've left these resources here. I have the capability to snipe these resources possibly. I can take a popularity hit, but it's going to destroy their plans for a couple yeah. of turns here. If you want to be really uh, strategic about it, maybe you'll wait for them to move. Yeah, and then you'll do it so that they can't counterattack. Exactly. So there's what I'm trying to say is that like with, with smaller player counts, has the autom- automata. God, that's a bloody difficult word to say for some reason. <laughs> uh, it it has to be aggressive. Otherwise, there's no point playing against it because if it just does its own thing, it, you might as well just be. Why is it even? You there? Might as just well just like, play by yourself. Play yeah. by yourself, but more in the sense of like because Feast for Odin, you don't have like an enemy player going against you. It's there's lots of games that have solo variants that are more just like you have this time amount of time, and then you're going to block off X resources or X avenues and you have to do your best with what you've been given. But yep. when you're playing against computer, there's no point. It'd be like playing War 3 and against computer that doesn't attack you ever. It just <laughs> gets his wicked economy going. It sits there and waits to die. Like, yeah, or I was going to say if there was like a, an economic victory, like, or yeah. it's like after X time, it ends and the computer just did better than you because... It, but if it actually is attacking you, it's more interactive. It's interesting. You don't sit there and say, "Oh, that computer it outproduced me. That was fun, wasn't it?" <laughs> no, it was like it was attacking me, and I was responding to it in turn. And when yeah. you're playing with other players, like especially two-player scythe, I find you never fight another person except maybe one star at the end or some. It kind of gets to this. Yeah, I need a star. A, so yeah. I'll do a fight for a star. Versus when you're starting to hit four, five, six, seven players, there's. There's almost so much fighting where it's like you just can't breathe. You don't. You don't. Yeah. You never. In, and I think I haven't played seven player scythe before, but just based on your description of the seven player game you played, where it's it, it was just brutal. Just scrambling to get your power high enough where you might be able bumping to... up the seven. Then every, you're just pointing your gun at everyone. <laughs> yeah. It's like well, who's the tough guy? It's <laughs> like two when you have seven coins. Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm ready to go. Who do I beat? Yeah. Hopefully. And um, well, that's actually interesting, Jack, that you had mentioned this a strategy automata because. Um, Scythe, uh, Stonemeyer has been, you know, very aware of how successful Scythe has been, and they've just been releasing a whole bunch of little things. Mm. So the latest thing they've released is a second Automata deck. Oh, really? 
and Josh bought it. And he hasn't played the first one yet, so it's driving Chris crazy. The fact that he has both of them, yeah. and Chris has played the first one probably about 30 times. Wow, that's incredible. Still that's... <laughs> can't play the second one. <laughs> I'm surprised Chris didn't buy it the day of, like waiting in line, like, come on, come on, come no on, kidding. come on, open up, open up. I, it's something, you know I love buying uh, extra stuff for games, but I would never touch another autonomous deck in my, it just, <laughs> extra dust on that one even, and just zero interest. I'm not going to play a game like that by myself. Sorry. I've never played one player, Agricola, Terraforming Mars, anything like that. I don't know. I, I was thinking about it because I was reading about some Feast for Odin stuff today because I just, somebody mentioned it and it just got me down a road and I was reading some board game geek stuff. And uh, people are crazy about playing it single player crazy and they, I think they have like weekly or monthly challenges people post about how to play the game in a certain way or a certain theme and then you post your score on how you did and you mm. try to go up against other people and it's all honesty and you're not just like oh I, did, I got 160 points and yeah. you didn't play it obviously but whatever <laughs> wow and this mage knight why is it so hot for single player mage knight is so hot for single player because it is a game that so it's a lot of games. So right away, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces and there's some, some thought that's been put into this. And it's essentially as if you're playing, uh, there are a lot of comparisons to Gloomhaven, but you're, you're playing um, uh, basically this uh, not, not necessarily nice person going around this fantasy world and you have a deck of cards and you have an objective and you have X days to hit said objective, which is con- conquer this town or um, in, go invade this dungeon or something. And you have to manage your cards because when you're playing them, if you take wounds, it's like you're, you're, it clutters up your deck of actions. Yeah. You can't get rid of them unless you do certain things, and you can get more cards by doing other stuff. But you're, you're playing against a, um, a computer in a board game world that feels very uh, organic. And in a way that if you want to, you can become very good at it and become godlike. But there's still it's, – it's, it's probably one of the, the best attempts, if not the only really competent attempt, I think at translating a single-player RPG uh, sort into of... Into a board game? Into a board game as far as something like that. I think nobody... I, don't, I think you can play four players if you want, but I've never heard anyone, anyone ever talk about four players. And if people say, I'm looking for a good single-player game, Mage Knight is always at the top of the list or mm-hmm. uh, some of these GMT games. Something you like... you have Mage Knight? I do. Oh, and I, I got through half of the tutorial <laughs> playing by myself, and my mind was just... just crinkling under the pressure because the, it's like a lot of a lot of games it's very front end rule loaded front loaded and you just you start to like I look it was two and a half hours into it and I thought I don't have time for this I <laughs> dinner's ready <laughs> I gotta put this stuff away but it's a it's a really neat game hmm. unfortunately it's made by WizKids known for shoddy shoddy production quality and it, it shows in this and it'd be really cool if like uh, a if, I don't know just check games themselves made another edition of it they'll never do it because Mage Knight <laughs> itself is a license I believe hmm. um, very interesting game and I think when we eventually do get to play you'll say oh well, Gloom, or Gloomhaven uh, <laughs> yeah comparisons let's just here. play Gloomhaven well that's it it kind of comes down to it. it's like oh or we just play Gloomhaven cause... speaking of Gloomhaven what have you been playing lately um, on the weekend Kale and I learned a game uh, called Village and uh, it's been on my list for a while and a lot of people have uh, there was a good shut up and sit down video on Village, which mostly sold me on it. I'd always been interested in it, but I saw the video and I was like, okay, this I like the theme of this here. And basically, it's a, it is a, I'd call it a worker placement game, but it's not as literal as a worker placement game. But you have this medieval village, and you have this bag of cubes that get shuffled up, and the these areas of the village, and randomly cubes will get dropped on there of different colors, and they represent influence. So what happens is, the influence cubes, whatever. 
you can build sets with them and you can use them to pay for certain things. But when, as soon as you take a cube from the area, it's as if you put a worker there in that area and you take the action associated with it. And there's tons of different ways to go about winning. But the main goal is you want to have lots of points at the end and you get bonuses for doing certain things really well. So because there's a lot of different things, there's a lot of different ways you can go about winning. There's a church, so you can make your people very – or you can have your uh, oh. villagers become very pious and monks. Um, you can send them on adventures, and they go ad- adventuring to cities, and you put a little marker there. And for every city you visit by the end of the game, there's a point modifier, so it, like, starts to go up. You can go into t- city council. You can become a politician, basically. Huzzah. And uh, the further up you are, the more influential you are, and you get more abilities and also, again – worth a lot of points and there's just tons and tons of things to do so much in fact that it's one of these things where you want to do way more and there's not nearly enough time and the gimmick of the game is that it's meant to be uh the the cold hand of death is always on your shoulder so every time you take an action there's always time associated with it and once time has gone around for x uh, spots and different things take more or longer than others uh death grabs a family member no and all your family members have numbers and what happens is uh, as soon as you pass around that uh, uh, that loop, you have to kill off one of your family members somewhere in the village. And what happens is you take them away and you put them in either the town registry, if they were of a note, which means they were involved in the city in a special way, or if they were just some farmers in your village, they <laughs> dump them <laughs> into – they call it the unknown grave. And, but there's a different amount of spots depending on players. And as soon as that's filled up and as soon as the graves are all filled up, then game's over. So there's this interesting timeline on the game, but it's based around what you're doing for your actions. And what happens is, like I was saying, oh, great, you put all, you have all these monks in the church. Sorry, those are your first generations. Uh, and you have to work your way up from your oldest workers to your newest workers. So congratulations, you invest all this time in there, but they're dead now. <laughs> you don't get any points <laughs> for them at the end of the game. Oh, so directly. everything in a grave is not points? Not directly. Not in the sense of mm. they, they are worth some points and there are modifiers for this. Again, everything builds on each other. Uh, so losing guy isn't just game over, but you can't have somebody and say, you'll be here forever, <laughs> just mm-hmm. like in real life. <laughs> and <laughs> that's what's really neat about this game. And it went so quickly and there were some tough decisions to make and you were constantly trying to get more family members. And it was just a very quick, fun, interesting experience. And I think it's as far as um, worker pace, placement-esque games go, I think you could do a lot worse, especially in an already crowded field because it's got a neat gimmick going for it and it's very bright and colorful and easy to understand, not not too front-loaded. Are these uh, family members your workers then? It's, it's basically. but So certain places, if let's like I was saying about, let's say you want to put them into the church. So you take an influence cube from there and then if you've got uh, certain colors of influence already in your uh, possession from other actions you can spend some of them put a guy in the church and the way the church works is kind of cool because you got this bag and you dump the monk in there and there's already four neutral monks and what happens is every end of every round there's a mass and you shake the bag up and you draw four monks at random and you can pay a dollar to make sure your monk is selected but mm. otherwise it's just random 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 and whoever's the majority of monks selected instantly gets victory points um, and if, when you're there, you can pay to advance them up the track as well. But there's this this randomness to it that can be mitigated, which is the best type of randomness. Because if you, you can decide to roll the dice and go with it, or you can decide to, eh, how about here's a dollar? How about we make sure? It's we, just like church in real life. Yeah, exactly. That's what there, there's a bit of the cynical element there where it costs <laughs> money. And you can like, oh, you can. It's more of like, I feel like hockey dads where you're paying extra for your can son. Can yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I forgot one thing, and this is the most interesting part, is that so you always have to take a cube on your turn. 
And what happens is, even though there are all these nice colorful cubes, there's some black cubes. Uh-oh. And those are considered plague cubes. And what happens is when you take a plague cube, you automatically lose two time, no matter what. Because it's, it's reflecting just the, the disease and death that's going across the village at that time. And what happens is around the end, because there's always going to be at least five, well, not at least, but there are six plague cubes that are always thrown into the bag to be randomly selected as well. So everyone picks the good stuff. And at the end, there's just this, like, these <laughs> sad looks as people are forced to take a plague cube from an action yep. and be punished extra for it. And it just it speeds up the game again because you're you're already losing time from whatever action you're doing there. So I it's like a cute this, quick uh, game. Draw random things out of a bag element. It seems it's like uh, <clears throat> um, Clank, mm-hmm. but with uh, actually the opposite it's, it's goal. Exactly. So in Clank, <laughs> you're throwing stuff in and hoping yours don't come out. In this case, it's like with the monks, you especially want yours to come out. But with these these cubes, it's. Uh, you are trying to build certain sets because if you, you're looking ahead, it's like, okay, I'll need – and they have these weird names that make no sense. But it's like, all right, I'll need, I'll need two, like, wealth influence cubes for this action here. But that means I'm going to have to take these things from this spot. And if I want to take this action, I'm going to need to do that. And you start to really kind of bounce around the place. But then it doesn't matter because Joel goes first and he takes the cube you want. And you just <laughs> just glowering at him. You wanted that. Um, but it's a really cute game. And uh, – Again, if, if people are looking for a light worker placement or medium worker placement and they didn't already have Viticulture or something else, I'd highly recommend Village based on uh, my play of it. I don't know how much it would hold up, but I think it seems very um, cutthroat with two players at least. What do you, what do you give Village? I give Village <clears throat> um, seven bags of grain that may or may not have plague cubes in them out of ten. <laughs> and that's my rating. Nice. We we had our friend uh, Jess on this show at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says that she's been playing Viticulture steadily since, you know, we <laughs> the, taught her. Another game that has, like, a, a single-player option with the uh, automata again. Right, yeah. Something else I've never tried. Yeah. Um, but anyway, apparently, every time she goes into round one and sells one of her fields. Yeah. Because obviously, learn that from us. You got to do it. Um, everyone gets mad. Yeah, <laughs> because it is a good – that is a perfect example of a game that it makes zero sense. <laughs> it breaks the game a little bit. But it doesn't – I don't think it breaks the game. It's just – it might as well be in the rule book. Yeah. Like sell a field, first action always. And yeah. it's like – especially if you get it first. Starting you can take tips. your victory point too. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's counter thematic and that's the big problem with it is that you can go – you can sell all your fields and never make a single – I can think of something thematic for that. Uh, you've just bought a vineyard. Yeah, but too much space. You have no – vines no production yeah. and you've realized that you've spread yourself too thin yeah you, gotta, you need some capital somehow I jack s- i still think the loan game, out your field for a couple years yeah i still think the game would be excuse me immensely improved at least thematically if they're all sold at the beginning or maybe oh, you have a cool. cruddy field at the beginning that can only fit the you lowest level grapes right not yeah. even five i'm saying one grape ah and that's why you have to sort of choose. But then you get into, the, oh, now I have to worry about the wine deck and the way it's split up. I think we mm. could fit, if we can do <laughs> the Viticulture Essential Essential Edition, I think. Advanced Viticulture. Advanced Viticulture. Or we just house rule because I think thematically it makes way more sense. You, It's like all these fields, sorry, you inherited your fields Humble from your dirtbag uncle. Yeah. <laughs> he sold them all, so you got to buy them back. And they don't have to be brutal, but it's it's kind of neat, I think, rather than just like, oh, you got three fields, might as well sell one right away for victory point and seven bucks, so go crazy, or oh, five bucks. It's very, very cash-heavy at the beginning. And then cash All useless. the buildings you need to build, right, just even to get going, yeah. along with the five bucks or whatever you need yeah. per round for workers. Mm-hmm. 
all of a sudden you got all your workers and you got your all your essential buildings and you oh, don't need this money. Yeah, and that's it. It, it kind of Concordia does something similar in the sense of money is very important for maybe X about of it. Like, I'm not very good at Concordia, so take this with a grain of salt. <laughs> but it, it drops off. It's The game does not encourage you to hold on to it in the sense yeah. that, especially viticulture, money is virtually worthless. What is it? Like every... Like every is it every five bucks worth of victory point or something? It's not even. It's just a tiebreaker. Oh, there's no point. So, but in Concordia, it's every ten bucks. Yeah, for zero reason. And I don't think anything modifies your coins in Concordia. You can't get someone that's no. Yeah, because there's only the one for each. Person. And to be honest, I think if if there's any uh, dedicated, if there is a dedicated Concordia listener out there, um, you probably shouldn't be ending the game with any surplus money at all. Mm-hmm. You should probably just be playing the knife's edge version of it. But. Um, I think uh, I think it's time we get the salsa, <laughs> get some salt going on in the, our game. But whatever. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll have a quick discussion about. Uh, I don't know. Pew, it's pew. pretty. It's a pretty independent film. Pew, pew, pew. Probably haven't heard of it. Nobody has ever heard of it. I had to travel for thirty minutes to come see this film in this tiny theater. Yeah, it's it was only the cool people have heard of it. So stay tuned. Standing on the edge of the crater Like the prophets once said And the ashes are all cold now No more bullets And the embers are dead Whispers in the air Tell the tales of the brothers gone Desolation, devastation What a mess we made when it all went wrong Watching from the edge of the circus for the games to begin gladiators draw their swords from their ranks for Armageddon I'm
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was uh, Nuclear, Nuclear by Mike Oldfield, probably most famous uh, for some people for doing, do you remember Tubular Bells, Joel? Tubular who's? Bells, you know the Exorcist theme song? Ding dong. No. Oh, that's not very tubular. That's, that was a doorbell. <laughs> Ding dong. <laughs> that's, 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 what did tubular bells sound like? Well, I'm not going to – all I can think of is the Halloween theme song in my head, but it was a very eerie, spooky sound that mm. um, they threw it in The Exorcist and it became like one of these – I think he sold 3.5 million copies of this album or this song. Just insane. But the man's put out 20 albums, extremely accomplished, multi-instrumentalist uh, – uh, so nuclear, there's two reasons I select that. First one is I was telling Joel while we were silently sitting there contemplating our failures during the musical break, as we <laughs> usually do, was that um, song's just been stuck in my head a little bit because I, I heard it again, and then I started thinking about it more and how good it was used for Metal Gear Solid Five. where they had this really cool trailer back before the game came out, and we were all full of hope, and, and we thought, how could a game with a trailer this good not be finished? And, of course, it wasn't finished, but it's also... Uh, it's not appropriate because uh, Nuclear is a song about screwing things up and uh, womp, desolation, womp. devastation. <laughs> what a mess we made when it all went wrong. And speaking of what went wrong. There's, imagine there's some text scrolling. <laughs> That's what it said. It was just this F L B T H. That was it. Uh, so, spoiler alert before you yeah, get. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. Get we're going to talk about Star Wars The Last Jedi. Um, the Last Jedi spoilers. This is your last chance. Turn around, turn around, turn, on, turn down your radio. Just kidding, turn it up because everything we say is right. There's no mistakes. That's right. We are the judge and executioner. Judge and ex- um, So I'm going to let Joel go first. Joel, tell me your thoughts on The Last Jedi. I saw it last night. You saw it on Sunday. On the weekend. <laughs> like- These spaceships are... <clears throat> I mean, it's the past. I understand. So they haven't developed the technology that we have today, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so obviously there's no obviously. way to take that giant boat of a ship Turn around that and quick. put it on autopilot, yeah, like, <laughs> and just be like, do that without having to suicide. No, nobody, nobody is able to just like cue <laughs> up control. Some it's like, oh, hold on, let me do this from a distance. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, and also, you know, I don't know much about warp technology and moving sure? at the speed of light, but <laughs> don't you move into some kind of phasing dimension or something when you're doing that and you're not actually affecting what's in you know that's a good question real space there used to be a show on cfru called um uh something uh something something <laughs> oh good show yeah and uh, it was he, he would go into the the science behind uh sf tech and i'm sure if he was around right now he could tell us a thing or two about because <laughs> uh, i think you are right i think it in but it changes from universe to universe because i think in star trek it is you're not in a pocket universe. I think you are just going really fast in Boom. one direction. Whereas with Star Trek or Star Wars, excuse me, I think there is like you are in a pocket universe maybe when you're going. But I could be wrong again. And if there's any Star Wars, that's why when you see them show up, and that's one of the coolest things when yeah. you see the dreadnought show up and there's yeah. And then Kayla was actually commenting on how she liked that, which, which is neat too because they're going so slow. Yeah, and but they just went so fast. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like it goes to show, and it, it makes sense in. 
um, Empire Strikes Back, there's the great part of the beginning when the 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 Empire finds where the rebel base is, and then. Uh, of course, they have to mobilize their fleet to go attack Hoth. And what happens is the the admiral takes them out of warp drive too early, too far away from the planet. So the rebels mm. are able to notice them, and it's too slow to get close enough so they can put up their shields. And then they have to land their ground forces earlier. If it was opposed, if they got closer to them, then they could have ambushed them faster. So. Yeah, um, so there was some good strategy involved in it, yeah, it made the sense story the, of that yeah. battle. And that's, I think you, you kind of touched on something here that the... Um, the the battle scenes I found very in, interesting or at least compelling and like strategic the, yeah the opening one I liked it it was it was in, my my heart was kind of going a little bit I was excited and it was depressing even though it wasn't maybe like the the most intel like you're looking With at the kind bombers. of like you're like ah, yeah. is this really what we're doing here but it's like okay fine I guess and um, it was you were you were I think the, those parts weren't boring. Yeah, and then you end up with this movie that I would describe as a mess. It's it's got too many stories going in no direction, and you have characters that you don't care about that you're supposed to care about, I guess. And to me, uh, it's it's been mentioned before that apparently the director of the movie has more or less admitted that I'm going to blame J.J. Abrams for this that. They they created this lore, all these characters, but they had no idea where they were going. It's not like George R. R. Martin who who <laughs> they knows didn't have some secret binder somewhere. That exactly, had the plan. It's not like he knows what's supposed to happen with them. It was just like like this, from the school of lost design, hmm. where it's like, wouldn't it be cool if there was a polar bear for no reason? <laughs> wouldn't it be cool if there was a smoke monster? Wouldn't it be cool? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, it is cool. Is there a reason? Yeah. And that's, I felt like a lot of the sections of the story which went off and came back, like, for example, the casino raid. The, the space Monte Cristo. What was the point? Didn't really have a point, it, no. I was t- this was what I was saying is after it. it, it so they sh- – spoiler alert. They show up <laughs> in – so just keep this in mind. The whole premise of the movie, revol- two-thirds of it, if not more, revolves around the fleet – being slowly chased. <laughs> yeah, that's the plot. <laughs> they're slowly, they're slowly, not even catching up. <laughs> slowly <laughs> keeping speed because these ships supposedly are faster than them, but not fast enough to really gain some distance. So it's like they, they, they put their foot on the pedal and they can go this fast. And these guys come in and put their foot on this pedal and they can go this fast, but that's as, that's as good as they can get. <laughs> can you imagine this super dreadnought that they have that's yeah. like wider than the other one? Yeah, so yeah. it must be better. Yeah. And they just got their foot and it, they have an actual pedal. pedal. <laughs> He's like, it's on the floor. It's on the floor. I don't know. You want me to make a hole in the floor and make it go a little bit faster? I would have paid to see that. That would have been funny. And that's it. So there's there's a slow chase occurring. And then they're like, okay, I got an idea. We can stop the slow chase, but go to this planet somewhere else and find somebody. <laughs> Who can who can change the way that they're because they're tracking? Yeah, we'll just leave this space chase. Yeah, we're gonna leave the space chase. It's so <laughs> tense. I can just fly away on something else. By the way, uh, so they show up and which is like, why isn't everybody doing that? Yeah, it's like, why don't we leave? And which is what they do at the end, but slowly, but not slowly. in warp. <laughs> and then it's like they solve the solution. Like they solve it themselves because not only does the Monte Cristo space Monte Cristo raid colla- uh, hilariously screw up leading to no resolution except worse uh, yeah, they repercussions get found out. they get found out and who would have thought that greasy benicio del toro sells them out the first chance he gets never would have guessed never would have guessed that on a side note yeah by far the best part of the film benicio yeah with his weird his like was it a was it a tick was it a stutter who knows and it, but it was just beautiful but it was a good example of like okay 
I, I like you. I like watching your character. You're interesting, but what's the point? There was no point. And that's the thing is like he came in and it was like, wow, this could be great. Yeah, it's like you're. And then he kind of just faded away. He's barely that. in it and he's like sort of a nice guy. He's sort of a dick. I'm not sure. <laughs> and then he's, he's trying to teach hard life lessons, yeah, it, Jack, about real. economies of scale. <laughs> Apparently, his hard life lesson is like, I'm going to sell you out real bad. Hope you hope you learned your lesson. Yeah. And then he and I thought I like sure that line he, though. Yeah, it was. Good. Uh, they'll blow you up today. You'll blow them up tomorrow. Yeah, which is, I Just don't know if it was kid. on. on t- <laughs> I don't know whether it was on purpose or reference to Indiana Jones: Last Crusade, where it's like, where after when the, before it switches over to old Indy, when young Indy. He thinks he's got it. He goes to his father and he's like, oh, these guys, these guys. And then they chase him in there and the cops are there. And it's like, you stole from these guys. And then the the lead thief, lead Tomb Raider guy puts the hat on his head. And it's like, you lost today, kid. But it doesn't mean you have to like it. And then there's a great <laughs> transition where the hat's down. Then it comes back up and, and he's getting the shit kicked out of him on uh, on a boat somewhere. And it's just like, oh, that was great. That was a good movie, wasn't it? Yeah. Whereas you have Star Wars where it's kind of like, oh. You have these flashes of brilliance. It was like something good is going to come of this and this is going to be a legendary scene or a legendary film. But then it's just all these little chunks of that Yeah, that never got put together into a movie. Exactly. That's a good way to put it. There, there, there's these glimmers of um, – <clears throat> I don't want to say genius. That's kind of pushing it. Uh, <laughs> there's glimmers of uh, true fun um, that you would you would think back on and say, wasn't that kind of cool how they did that? Wasn't it neat? And then they just they go screw it up so many different ways. And the, like, did, what about the jokes? Did you find the jokes were cringeworthy as hell? I mentioned this to you earlier, but why? Like C three PO had no purpose in the film except no. for to stand around once in a while. Hey, you remember C three PO? Why? I can't believe you did that. Oh, no, no, oh dear! <laughs> and R two D two had a good scene with Luke, and that yeah. was about it. And uh, it's like, okay, I remember these characters. Yeah, a little throwback. What, what else? And uh, in general, like especially Snoke as well, this character that he's like, great. He's like this creepy old man. I don't know why they had to make him CG. Couldn't we have like gotten some surely good special some physical f- effects? Could yeah, have come physical into effects could have come in. No, we're gonna make him CG and it's gonna look bad in ten years. People are gonna like remember Snoke how bad he looks and <laughs> he and, looked better in the hologram. <laughs> oh man, but and he, he's fine. But what what do we have? He's like he is the Emperor two He's yeah. sitting there. He wants to. He wants to turn you to the dark side. And he's got lightning, which was kind of cool. And he just zapped it on the floor the one time. But it this was is the other thing: is like there was so much intrigue. This is what I'm stealing this from Josh. Yeah. But there was tons of intrigue at the end of whatever the last one was called. Yeah, good. That sums <laughs> up Force Awakens. Um, but you wanted to know who are Ray's parents? Who is Snoke? What are these people? For What's the record, going on? Jack did not care. <laughs> <laughs> I walked away with zero interest. And then in this one. Not even, like, in a central, important way. It was just like, mm, we're going to just let you know all the answers to those questions. Okay? And that's – but here's the thing. I was thinking about that little re- revelation. I won't even say it on the air because it's, 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 it's a huge spoiler, but it's not that big of a spoiler. But the point is that the way they deliver it is the problem is that I, I, I really like Kylo Ren. I like Adam Driver. I like the what he does in this movie. I feel like he's been put in a very unfavorable, unfavorable position because he looks like a whiny baby the whole time. <laughs> and he had that stupid mask that was awful for a long time. And then he, he destroys it. And I'm like, yes, I'd never have to hear that. I'd never be <laughs> yes. embarrassed looking at that mask again. <laughs> but when he reveals to uh, Daisy Ridley's character, Ray, like the, the, her background, it, it kind of hit me a little bit. But it wasn't – I was thinking about it after why it didn't hit me more is that – 
I just didn't care whatsoever about yeah. her background. It's not like it was this huge mystery for me as a viewer because the stakes were so much higher for me for everything else that none of this mattered because yeah. everything else is way more important. This is like one of the, the fact that she cares so much about this bugs me. So maybe maybe if they had some kind of montage earlier on where you saw her suffering alone as a little orphan and maybe, maybe but all you saw was her like as a raider. She's, she's doing like okay. She had a decent life. <laughs> it's not great, but. It's just a bunch of different stuff, and um, I think we can uh, we can say that I think spoiler Snoke's death was kind of cool. I was surprised at the the viciousness of it, like yep. slicing him in half. <laughs> it was kind of fun to see. And there's yeah. the part where his, like his body falls off the chair like, when the one guy's looking at him yeah. too. It's like, like, how can you be so dumb though? It's like, oh, I, and especially he's like, no one's ever betrayed me. <laughs> Looks at the audience. <laughs> Hope they don't start now. Big wink. <laughs> and, so, and it was cool, though, because he, you can tell that he's like, he's been cheat. He's been tricking everyone. He tricked Luke about how powerful he was. He tricked Snoke about how powerful he was. He's been, he's been hustling everybody. Then he still can't beat Ray. Doesn't matter, but uh, there's definitely like it just seems like there's a very obvious hierarchy of power here where it's like uh-huh. you know, Luke Ray, yeah. um, Ben Solo, or whatever you want to call him, yeah, yeah. and it's just like mm, you're not gonna win, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, it's kind of boring now. And I think they did a good job with the uh, the part with Luke at the end where it's because you're looking at this and you're thinking, oh man, and they're they're building up this mythology and kind of fits into what he's saying is like he's starting, he's come to the realization that it's almost like a, it's a borderline V for Vendetta esque thing where it's like uh, ideas are more powerful than not or guns or something <laughs> yeah. or whatever the exact line is and the idea that the idea of Luke Skywalker staring down these forces and triumphing in a sense that's more powerful than the idea of him actually kind of like oh I beat a guy in a duel great outstanding yeah. but the very fact that he showed up and inspired hope again that's kind of cool and the reaction to adam driver kylo Ke- kylo ren fighting him and then when he's <laughs> hustled it's like oh he's real frustrated see around kid see around kid and <laughs> and but it's just for every moment like that like you're saying it's mixed with boring stuff you don't care about or stuff that was so dumb that it yanks you out of the universe and the, the part that i had had me groaning and the guy next to me even looked at me and went yeah what was the part when finn is about to do the most heroic yes. thing possible. He's going to stop stop the the tiny Death Star from battering down the door because <laughs> that's the only way. <laughs> We've got this thing sitting around just for this purpose. And the, <laughs> the, 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 the girl, she's like, she knocks him out of the way, maybe We're, destroying both of them. Who knows? And I saved you because I love you. We're going to win this revolution with love. Oh, by the way, you stopped me from stopping the machine that blew up the front door to our yeah, resistance. Yeah, now we're... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Thank, a lot. Thanks. <laughs> but but love will save us from these like ATSTs or ATATs walking through the door. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. We're doing great. So it was just that it was, it was so dumb that it just yanked me, yanked me right out of this world that they were building and other parts too were dumb, dumb, dumb. And I think it's, to me, it's an example. I don't want to say um, that they're, they don't have any creativity. They can't come up with any fresh ideas, but I think it's a combination of the fact that they feel hamstrung by these bad characters in this bad universe that Abrams started everything off with. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it will take to turn turn the ship around in space i don't know i like i th- feel like i want a smaller movie and that's the thing is like this movie checks every single star wars box yeah there's a space battle yeah two of them there's a land battle yeah 
you've got some Jedi fights, although there was never lightsaber long lightsaber That's what fight. I was going to say. There's not there a single... Like this elite guard, which no I'm assuming are like quasi-Siths, but... Yeah, I guess. They're vibroblades. Ah, That's a bit of New Republic humor Super chain. And they were tough, but they seem tougher than the snow cats. <laughs> like, yeah. your, your mooks are better than you? What is this, a weird JRPG? And why are they know. still fighting? Their leader's dead. I know, it's like... <laughs> Maybe we should leave. <laughs> yeah. We, okay. We just, so these guys are powerful enough to beat Snoke, which yeah. yeah. But they but they're like getting like tricked with the most basic of stuff. But I guess it makes sense because like Snoke was just like the guy, Kylo Ren rolled natural twenty and was able to like <laughs> do a perfect Jedi trick on him. I don't know. I think we need a fight scene. <laughs> well, it almost feels like that. That's yeah. why I felt about Force Awakens, and there felt like okay, been too long. Need a fight scene. Let's go on with this. Yeah. Rogue One sort of did it to an extent too. You had all the you had space battles sort of, you had land battles sort of. You had guys shooting guns at each other. You had uh, in this one you had Captain Phasma showing up pointlessly again for what purpose? Yep. I don't know. She's like sort of a bounty hunter. This, at this character point. needs to die. I I think she'll be back. <laughs> we didn't see her die. She fell into a burning hole. Not mm, a giant explosion. <laughs> not good enough. She had armor on. <laughs> she can maybe she Boba Fetted her way out of the uh, Sarlacc. I, it's just the Lord of Light will bring her back. The Lord, yeah, <laughs> some Game of Thrones humor for you. <laughs> I haven't even seen the next, the current season of this, but Ooh. I I think that if you're a fan of Star Wars, it's you gotta you gotta pick and choose. I, this is not a terrible movie. It's better than Force Awakens. It's too long. It's messy. It doesn't. It's not as aggressively bad, in my opinion, as Force Awakens. Um, and there are there are entertaining parts, and it's I think Carrie Fisher did a great job in the the role she was given, minus the embarrassing scene of her floating in space that just was super silly and I can't believe it made it the film. <laughs> what was with that? Like, it just, she just has Jedi powers well, and can uh, also open her eyes in space? I, I, you know, I was, when, so she's all freezing but her eyes are fine, whatever. Yeah. Um, I think the, if you want to try to, I'm going to try to defend it and say that, oh, she only, her powers only show up when she's in mortal danger or it's like sort of like the mother that gains 10 times her strength to lift a car up to rescue her baby or something. It's just you like think it was stress. one of these like trying to tease the audience though. Okay, we know Carrie Fisher's dead. Uh, obviously, they're going to kill her off in this movie. So they kill her off about a third of the way in. I thought she's they were flying through yeah. space. She's dying. Probably a lot of people that have emotional attachments to Leia. It's almost cynical. Would <laughs> be upset at that point. Yeah. And then they're like, psych! No, she, no. she's floating. She literally just back. magnets herself back into the thing. And there's some. There's an airlock there because it's fine. There were moments too when I was wondering, like, is there gravity? Is there any air issues here? Because I'm looking at some of the stuff. Like with the bombers, I can sort of get it. They don't really show it though. It just looks they like clear drop space. Bombs, yeah. It's Dropping bombs in space. Maybe it's a magnetic thing. That's what the, the explanation is. It's not. They could with one word. They could have said uh, activate magnetic mines or something, and then you'd be like, oh, fine. But they said drop the bombs. Yeah. It's in space, and they have to be above it. <laughs> And they have to, why do you have to be above it? <laughs> you could just throw them <laughs> with enough velocity and it's eventually going to hit there. It's like, yeah. or like. And why are these mines so much better than everything else you're shooting? Do you not have the pro- propulsion technology? Couldn't to we shoot a missile? Shoot them instead of having to be directly above. And it, what's a bomber in space? Yeah, it's, it, well, in, again, they had other stuff like this. In the, the other, in the old expanded universe, you had TIE bombers. It made sense. They were, they had heavy payloads, stuff that you couldn't attach to a TIE fighter. And it made sense that you were, you needed a special ship to carry this stuff. And I'm like, okay, I can get the rebels need special ship to drop them. But they're a bunch of little bombs. They're so tiny that, and this is what the Red Letter guys are saying, is that couldn't you, look at how the, the X-Wing is doing a great job. Couldn't you have a bunch of X-Wings with a couple bombs on them and just drop those? And like, <laughs> yes. oh, you can't hit them. They're too fast. Why we did- know how effective X-Wings are from the previous 
you know, six films. Absolutely. As opposed to these these slow moving bombers making their way directly at the ship, hoping for nothing. Ha- oh, pew, 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 they all got blowed up. <laughs> oh, um, what they all die? How, did, oh. how was I supposed to know? Yeah. And then, of course, it reveals that, and the weird lesson I took from it too is that apparently a suicide run with a giant ship is the most effective tool in the galaxy to just like cram a giant missile into the 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 flagship. You know what bothers me too is that their Poe Dameron is so <clears throat> set on destroying a dreadnought out yeah. of like these eight dreadnoughts or whatever they have. And I'm just <clears throat> thinking, okay, you've got I don't know let's say there's some off screen and they have fifty ships left in the rebellion. Yeah yeah. They're gonna lose thirty of them to blow up one large ship and not only that, but you got to imagine there's some kind of production facility in the background that could just make another Dreadnought. Maybe, maybe it's, it's not like, like, like these can't so be made. They've already so many made turns, eight. You know, it's, <laughs> it's cheaper. You know, they, they invested 30 bucks into this guy, <laughs> and it only takes you a couple bucks to build the bombers. And it's, it's like playing, uh, I guess, um, Master – or not Master of Orion, um, Twilight Imperium. They built the War Sun. You <laughs> yeah, sent yeah, a bunch yeah, of little yeah. guys in. You hit it twice, and that's that. You know, what's messed up is he's happy too. He's like, oh, 30 of our guys like, we big. We, we got destroyed him. a dead nut. And here's the thing. I like I like Oscar Isaacs in this movie. I think he, he and Kylo are maybe the most entertaining characters of the bunch because they've, <laughs> they've just like – they're trying. I feel like they're really trying. And I, I don't mind Daisy Ridley. I think, again, she's just been given this sort of thankless character that – um, from my perspective, she doesn't have a lot a to work too with. Serious. A little too serious, and when she tries to goof it up a bit, it just comes across weird. But it's just the humor in the movie again. Um, but when, again, when Poe is making like literally the movie opens with the corniest joke possible that makes zero sense in the in the Star Wars universe of Poe Dameron pretending to put like the like the the general of the the first order on hold. Like, <laughs> they have hold in Star yeah, Wars. Yeah. Is he? He's like, oh, Let's... holding. Hold, what? What? What sort of weird <laughs> joke is this? And they didn't. I mean, I, I guess they were hacking something, but they never explained. Yeah, why. but it's like okay, he's he's falling for it. It, it is yeah. hokey. It was so strange. <laughs> and I'm not. I'm look. I know it's a movie about space lasers and stuff, but you have to go. You have to meet me halfway. You can't just turn around <laughs> and, and like completely yank the lore from the carpet underneath me. What is this? Oh, okay. So we have a friend of ours who. Uh, has the greatest taste in movies of all time. Yep. And he's compiled a list, and this man is, he's never wrong, so the, here's the list of the best Star Wars movies as ranked by yep. uh, our good friend Alex. Like, comment, subscribe. Like, comment, Tell subscribe. Tell us what you think. Actually, about he's, hold on, he's got a website. What's, do you remember his website's called? No. All right, forget it. <laughs> he doesn't but honestly, uh, you know, if you have some opinions on this list, uh, yeah. we'd love to hear about it. Yeah. What's our tags? Um, you can find us on Instagram on and- if you search Android Dungeon Radio or AD Radio, uh, you'll bring up everything. And uh, we are getting, believe me, folks, I'm working on getting uh, archive stuff or podcast stuff set up. It's taking longer than I hoped, but it will be ready, hopefully in the new year. I think that's what I'm, we're aiming for. That's our Christmas present to you. Our Christmas present to you is more punishment. So yeah. anyway, and post your own list if you absolutely if, if you agree, if you disagree. So here we go. So I'm just going to read them all out, and then we can uh, kind of break it down a bit. Okay. So number one, best Star Wars movie of all time, A New Hope. Obviously. Obviously. Number two, Return of the Jedi. Contentious. Very contentious. Putting it at number two. Could be. Number three, Rogue One. Hold on a second. <laughs> number four. <laughs> number four, The Phantom Menace. <laughs> Episode one. Darth Maul, Jar Jar Binks, The Phantom Menace, <laughs> fourth best Star Wars of all time. Number five, this movie, 
the one we've been discussing in the last hour or so. Uh, number six, all the way down there, Revenge of the Sith. Obviously a well-loved third installment. And then all the way down there. <laughs> Wrong. Hold on here. This is this is uh, just a general consensus of up to this point. I think you're missing a lot of wrong. Is Whoa. Where did they? Oh, man. Hold on. <laughs> just keep talking, Joel. I'll, I'll come back to you. <laughs> what was that? All right. <laughs> so I'll finish off the list. Okay. So obviously the Empire Strikes Back is all the way down there. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh. Yeah. Followed by Attack of the Clones. And... <sighs> Last place, The Force Awakens. Which is... I, I'm with him on The Last Place, The Force Awakens, but putting Empire so low when it is, like, one of the movies that everyone agrees after mm-hmm. New Hope is, like, you got to have it up there. I think it's a personal thing. I think he's said, well, I was young and I was really bored by it. Mm. Okay, so... Okay, whatever. You were wrong. <laughs> yeah. look, watch it again. I was bored by The mind. Godfather. I, it's it's yeah. no good. Um it's it's an excellent point. Godfather and didn't have enough jokes. Yeah, there was not enough uh, wacky scenes in pod racing. In How rude! How rude! <laughs> Brutal. Misa's very glad to meet you. Oh my god! And the thing is, like, and I think the last thing we say because we're almost out of time is if you look at and compare, let's take compare Empire Strikes Back to um, Last Jedi. You're, they're trying to do similar things. You have the training sequence. An old, crutchy hermit has to train somebody who's impatient. Um, somebody who's not ready goes up against the dark side. Um, a lot of these similar beats. But at the same time, you end up with something that carries none of the emotional weight. Uh, even when I was a child and I saw Empire Strikes Back, seeing Han frozen in carbonite, that's that's traumatizing. That's scary. The good guys are losing yep. here. Seeing Luke going up against Darth Vader, getting his hand chopped off, he's lost. Yoda told him he's going to lose. He doesn't listen to Yoda. He goes and fights Vader, finds out he's his father, gets his hand chopped off. Uh, it is a down. As, as they say in Clerks, it is a down ending. It ends. Yep. <laughs> All Jedi had was a bunch of you puppets. you got to watch the next one because, yeah. you know... But uh, in the final note, uh, when he goes, she goes and meets uh, Luke for her obligatory training. Yeah, uh, he says he'll give her three lessons, and then she'll decide not to be a Jedi. Yeah, did you notice that there were only two lessons? Yeah, maybe the third was secret. What, the third it? lesson is a deleted scene. Are you kidding me? Which means it's basically a DLC. You're gonna have to get the director's cut, and then you can find out the third lesson of like you got three key points of a plot. And you throw in it's two of them. It's a hook, Joel. It's a hook. That's how you know the movie was edited poorly and broken. And the cool. Or in the cave. The, or you the forgot movie. about the third lesson. We'll put it in as a deleted scene. Dummies. I'm Jack. I'm Joel. Merry Christmas. Hi, I'm James Gordon, and you are fortunate enough to be listening to CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph. Do you have an Android phone? If so, you might not know that your phone could have an FM chip that can easily be enabled. FM radio on your phone could be available right now with the Next Radio app available at Google Play Canada. 
Enabling the FM chip in your smartphone can make the difference in an emergency situation by allowing you to hear critical updates. The FM chip can also allow you to listen to radio in your area while using 20 times less data, and it's three times better for your battery app than streaming music apps. Some carriers and manufacturers are blocking access to FM radio because they want to use your data. Find out if your phone is compatible and learn more by visiting freeradioonmyphone.ca and grab the next radio app today. Post to Home, an eclectic mix of Canadian music on CFRU 93.3 FM. Thursday mornings at 7 a.m. with your host, Tom Rydell. I'll make it easier for you to get up and greet the day. Close to home. Thursday mornings, 7 a.m. The Alzheimer's Society of Waterloo Wellington is looking for people to help out with their music project. Studies have demonstrated overwhelming evidence of the beneficial effects of music and stimulation on people living with dementia. The Music Project provides a free-of-charge iPod with a personalized playlist to individuals living with dementia. The Alzheimer's Society of Waterloo, Wellington is looking for volunteers to help with tech, iPod setup and creating playlists. They are also looking for folks to donate all iPods, iTunes gift cards or money. $75 gets an iPod Shuffle and $150 gets an iPod Touch. Other MP3 players are also welcome. For more information or to get involved, visit alzheimerwwca slash music project. I understand if there is something. You are listening to CFRU Radio. 93.3 FM in Guelph, Ontario, and available worldwide at CFRU.ca. On October 1st of 2017, Astra, CFRU, the College of Arts, the College of Social and Applied Human Sciences, and the Central Student